This is the reality. Indeed, a very special hello to you once again from me, Dudley Anderson, and welcome to The Reality, half-hour talk show talking about the sure reality of real life as found through Jesus Christ. Today, we speak with the late George Ferver, founder of Operation Mobilization. It was my privilege to interview him back in March 2020. George's first contact with Christianity was through his neighbor, a little old lady who gave him the Gospel of John and put him down on her Holy Ghost hit list to pray for him. In 1953, as a 14-year-old student, he was at a meeting in which Billy Graham spoke in Madison Square Garden, New York City. George Fervor discovered the reality of who Jesus is and surrendered his life to Christ. He gained a growing conviction to evangelize on foreign soil and started distributing the Gospel of John in Mexico in 1957. So I had a bit of a vision for the nations, plus I owned a stamp business and was involved with stamps from the whole world. So very quickly, the initial vision was everybody in the world should have a Gospel of John. But my big focus was my high school and some amazing things happened there. And then I was reading about different nations getting exposed. So really, from the early days, I felt led in the direction of global missions. After a time of prayer and God-seeking, in 1961, the work of Operation Mobilization, or OM, was born. Let's begin our conversation today on The Reality, speaking to George Ferber and find out how he discovered the reality of Jesus for himself. Today's interview was conducted via telephone. It's uh, really the prayers of a woman near my high school. I was not a Christian, though I was in a family where they were attempting to put in some Christian values. This is back in the 50s. My grandfather was an atheist from the Netherlands. My dad came as a, as a lad from the Netherlands. And uh, there was nothing of Jesus in that, in that family. But I was a very happy uh, kid, learned how to make money fast girlfriends, dancing, lots of fun sports, some good, some bad. I had good parents, so I was doing fine until really this lady, a woman of God, heard about me through her son, who was a senior when I was a first year in high school, and she put my name on what I call her Holy Ghost hit list uh-huh. and uh, prayed not only that I'd become a Christian, a believer in Jesus, but that I would become a missionary. Imagine that. I didn't even discuss it with me. Wow. She sent a Gospel of John. Yes. I was big into reading a lot. Pornography tried to push its way into my life at that time, so it was it was a struggle. And then somebody told me about Billy Graham, then I picked up a magazine about him. It was definitely not my world. And he came to New York City for one night, March 3rd, 1955. Mm. And somehow a business guy, proactive, gave us free seats on a coach into the center of the city. And there was Madison Square Garden. To make a long story short, I heard the gospel, told people to get out of the seat and come forward. Unbelievable thing in front of 20,000. But I made the pilgrimage and there I was hmm. believing on Jesus. And, uh, you know, I've never been never been the same. So I'm celebrating wow. 365 days of walking with Jesus for 65 years. God's Amen. grace. Wow. Lots of people praying for me, including that lady. Uh, took me through the storms of the teenage years and the struggles. And 
Yes. So that's uh, that's my Praise story in, in a nutshell. Yes. So anyhow, we all need a, a dear old lady praying for us uh, when we're out there headstrong, want to make a thing of our lives. And do these dear old ladies always get in, don't they? <laughs> and change all our plans through their prayers. A powerful yeah. thing. Now, George, you're obviously, you know, a missionary. You're a great evangelist. What place does prayer play in evangelism? Well, Billy Graham was a great influence, not only in my conversion, but his radio and his writings and his emphasis on prayer and organizing uh, nights of prayer for the coming crusade two years later. That changed the course of my life. I just became convinced that prayer was the key. I think when I was only 17, I prayed, Lord, I only want one thing in life. I want to learn how to pray. Hmm. And so I uh, started to organize prayer meetings in the high school and then across the street from the high school. And that has continued all, all my life. O.M. was always known for his nights of prayer. Now there's lots of changes. I haven't been the leader in O.M. for eight, 18 years. Oh they, they have more prayer meetings in the daytime, prayer and fasting. So uh, everything we've done throughout the world uh, which is much larger than most people realize, uh, was because of prayer. Amazing. You said this dear lady put you on her Holy Ghost hit list, her yeah. prayer list. Um, you know, I've heard stories like that before where people's names have been put on a prayer list. I've got a prayer list. I call it my EPL, my evangelism prayer list. We can evangelize through prayer, can we not? Amen. Yes, amen. Fantastic. So, George, you'd given your life to Jesus' great experience as a young man. When did you sense the call of God into missions, and how did it all come together? Yeah, I think um, it was it evolved because the first burden I had was to reach my high school, but I'd been influenced by the group that had printed this gospel, John, called the Pocket Testament League, whose roots go back to this country. And so I had a bit of a vision for the nations. Plus, I owned a stamp business and was involved with stamps from the whole world. So very quickly, the, the initial vision was everybody in the world should have a Gospel of John. So that was there from the very early days. But my big focus was my high school, and some amazing things happened there. The meeting when they brought me back from Christmas break at university Hundreds came to the meeting, and about mm. 125 stood to believe on Jesus, including my own father. Praise God. So, um, And then I was reading about different nations, getting exposed to some missionaries, and God put it on my heart to go to Mexico. Right. And so really, from the early days, uh, I felt led in the direction of, of global missions Exactly when that became full assurance, I'm not quite sure. It may have been when I was still selling fire extinguishers, setting up agents across the country. It was the business I was in. Right. And I popped in the Grand Canyon, and I know God really spoke to me there. And I made a more radical commitment. That's the summer before I went to Mexico. I made a more radical, strong commitment uh, to the Lord. Because naturally, the first year I was a baby Christian, I was president of the student council, so completely caught up in high school activities, though, already bringing the gospel in and got the headmaster to give me permission to distribute a thousand gospels, hmm. unheard of in the school. Wow. Not many believers in this school outside New York City. And he gave that permission, and, and a thousand students took the gospel of John. So 
my faith was really probably stronger than maybe it is today. Yeah. You know, as you get older, you you have a lot of prayers that seemingly have not been answered, and mm-hmm. you have, um, you know, disappointments and heartbreaks. But mm-hmm. when you're young, uh, it's sometimes a lot easier just to just to claim great things. The old senior year cynicism doesn't come rolling in on you. Yes. So wh- why is that, George? Why do you think we get more cynical as we get older? Yeah, because we've seen the real... You know, we've seen the reality, and the reality is many prayers don't get answered, at least on our human level. And um, a lot of people can't handle that. People are being more honest and more open about the struggles of life and the disappointments of life. And if you have a large family, have a medium-sized family, three children, five grandchildren, six great-grandchildren, and many, many of our prayers for our family you know, have not yet been answered. So I think it's not just cynicism, it's we embrace reality. And that's why my latest book, I talk about some of these things, uh, Messiology, which is 100,000 in print. Hmm. But our faith is our faith is tested, but it's still there. It's strong, it's different. And we can pass on those lessons because many do get discouraged along the way. I've seen so many fall along the way. You don't even want to talk about it. And, and that's the unfortunate thing is when we take our eyes off of Jesus. You know, personally, I believe um, Jesus prayed a prayer effectively that wasn't answered in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, dear God, dear Father, let this cup be taken from me. That was an honest prayer. But nevertheless, he said, your will be done. And the key yeah. here for me, George, is that Jesus, even in Gethsemane, looked through the cross and saw himself on the other side of his tomorrow where God had delivered him. So sometimes it seems that prayers aren't answered in our lives, but the Lord is already on the other side of tomorrow, which we cannot see. And the scripture says that if we acknowledge God in all our ways, he will nevertheless direct our paths. So at this point in your life, you've acknowledged God and you've sought him through all these incredible opportunities in operation mobilization. We'll talk about that in a minute. But George, what is the most profound answer to prayer that you've had in your life? Well, I think it's for individuals, and so there's a a huge range of amazing conversions. Uh, The first one was as soon as I got to Europe, a woman named Krista running away from East Germany, a real party gal, ended up in Madrid, Spain, where my wife and I were living, and she came to Christ, and she's still going strong spent most of her life in India. Her husband ended up the director of OM India, so her name is Krista. My daughter's named after her. Hmm. And another guy named Danny Smith, he came to Christ in Calcutta, later came to this country and founded an organization and just followed him his whole life as well. These are great answers to prayer. Of course, the breakthroughs in India, where we now have 4,000 congregations connected with what we started there. It's now a church movement rather than part of OM. Just so, such a great answer to prayer, India, and how God put all that together. There's a book about it. And then the ship, praying that God would give us a ship. And a few years later, you know, we purchased this amazing ship. This is the 50th anniversary of the ship ministry. There's been four ships. Praise God. 100, 100 million people 
have been reached uh, with the gospel through that ministry. So, Jesus. Yeah, a few answers to prayer. That's a few answers to prayer, George. God always answers. Wow. Uh, another answer to prayer must have happened when I believe you were once arrested for taking Bibles into Russia, into the old Soviet Union. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was the very early days. I was living in Spain. Western Europe was not in our thinking. The original goal was Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, places others were not going communist world, closed countries. And um, I was smuggling Christian literature and scriptures, not whole Bibles, actually, into... Uh, first, I got caught in Yugoslavia, but they let us go right away. Mm-hmm. you think I'd learn from that. But mm-hmm. then I got caught again in the Soviet Union in the middle of the Cold War. Wow. Of course, they thought we were spies. That was That was news in the Soviet press. But after two days of interrogation, they decided we were just religious fanatics or whatever, <laughs> and so they gave us an escort, huh? wow. armed escort, all the way back to Austria. And I went for a day of prayer that changed the course of my life. That's Praise when God, God gave me the name Operation Mobilization. That's when um, I realized we want to mobilize Western Europeans and let them reach Turkey and Afghanistan, as well as as their own nations. My wife's father had been killed in the war. I was very aware of the war and and the dream of Germans and British and French and Dutch and Italians laboring together to reach all Europe uh, with the gospel. And that birthed OM. There was actually very little before that important prayer meeting. I went back and shared that with our full-time Spanish staff on a, a retreat, and they agreed to take up the leadership, and they released me to come to the UK, and the rest is history. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sheer Reality. Listen again at sheerreality.net. This is a listener-supported radio ministry, and we depend on you, the listener, to help us produce these programs, touching lives around the world. To become a vision partner of Sheer Reality, go to sheerreality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surreality.net. You are listening to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the sure reality of real life as found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson. Really good to be with you. Just to say that I do appreciate contact from you very much indeed. Please drop me an email if you can. Email me Dudley, spelled D-U-D-L-E-Y, Dudley at surereality.net Today in The Reality, we're speaking to founder of OM, Operation Mobilization, the late George Ferber. I interviewed George some time back and thought it would be really good to air this interview once again in honor of this great man. George has shared with us how he discovered the reality of Jesus Christ at an early age. Growing up in a good home, though with little understanding of who God was, George's first real encounter with Christianity was through the prayers of his neighbor, a little old lady who gave him the Gospel of John and put his name down on her Holy Ghost hit list. She prayed fervently for this young man to come to Christ and live his life as a missionary for the Lord. Well, some years later, George Fervor was subject to the full Gospel of Jesus at a Billy Graham campaign, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. His dear old neighbor's prayers were halfway answered. George was now a Christian believer. But there was more. George Fervor sensed the call of God to go, to go into missions. He began to experience a growing conviction to evangelize on foreign soil, and he started distributing the Gospel of John in Mexico. 
George had ventured into the mission field. His neighbour's prayers were now fully answered. George Fover has seen many answers to prayers in his own life and work. Though it seems sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers, we need to realize that His ways are not our ways, and God is sovereign. He chooses to answer our prayers according to His divine will and purpose for our lives. This is why we need to pray according to God's Word. For God's Word is God's will, and if we pray according to the teachings of the Bible, we will be praying according to the will of God, and our prayers will be answered. Let's pick up our conversation once again with George Fover, founder of Operation Mobilization, to ask him to tell us a little bit more about its work. Today's interview conducted via telephone. OM has always been a number of different things all at the same time. We were committed to long-term ministry, especially among Muslims, but we wanted to see people experiencing Jesus and revival, so it started in prayer meetings at Moody and Wheaton. After I left university, I went to Moody Bible Institute, very important Mm -hmm. in my life. And others, Dale, my close friend, went to Wheaton College, and these prayer meetings started. And usually it was more men, and most of us were struggling with sexual temptation. So often there was people for the first time confessing uh, that they'd messed up in that area and praying. So it was sort of a revival movement, but we always had at the same time this passion to reach people right around us. So we were in the streets, we were door to door. I went through the underground system of New York City, giving out tens of thousands of tracts. Then I went door to door over all the towns in my area. So the passion for radical commitment and revival combined with, you know, reaching the whole world with the gospel. The more we studied, the more we realized certain countries were left out, and so that has been the focus of OM from the very beginning, and we've always had large numbers of people uh, in Muslim countries. We have over a 1,000 right mm-hmm. now spread out in Praise the Muslim God. world. But then the ship vision came in. That was quite distinct. It all flowed in the end in the same direction, but different ways of going about it because the ship attracted people who weren't necessarily interested in the other aspects of OM. And to this day, every year we've had enough people, volunteers raising their own money, including engineers, captains, very highly qualified people Mm. to keep the ship ministry going. So Mm. uh, it's a little hard sometimes for people to grasp because right from 1963, it just exploded. And with so many different ministries, literature has always been a main ministry. We founded STL here in the UK. That became Wesley Owen. Uh, later on, after uh-huh. it spun off, it did uh, it did face financial crisis and went and went bankrupt. But we had forty eight years of powerful literature ministry, not just here but around the world. At birth, the literature ministry in India, which is huge and going strong, and other literature ministries that are strong. Anyway, I know it's a little hard to grasp, but that's <laughs> when the Holy Spirit is working. We cannot mm-hmm. pretend we're going to understand it all and put mm-hmm. it in a box. Wow, exciting! So. What about the ships? Uh, you, you purchased ships and you crewed the ships and got people on board. What what were you doing? What were the ships doing? We started with a very small ship. My wife, the whole family moved on the ship. bought it from the Den- Danish. It would be 50 years this October. Wow. And um, we, we based 10 different ministries on the ship. The, the biggest that attracted hundreds of thousands now literally attracts 
a million a year is the huge floating book exhibit in which the number one book is the Bible. And so until you see the ship, you can never understand it. Mm-hmm. This has never, ever th- been anything like it in, in history. And so then we have our theater. So there's theater productions going on, right. all presenting the gospel. We have every kind of conference you could ever dream. So always aiming toward revival and world evangelism. Got a very strong message about marriage. And um, so we sometimes have marriage seminars. Right. We're very concerned for children. We have tens of thousands of children come from their schools and go through special programs. And other teams are on shore, some of them doing physical work, helping rebuild the hospital. Help. We have this new expanding shoe we're into. We have water purification we're into. So there's about 10 different ministries, but it's carried on by volunteers who are mainly young who come one or two years. We do have those who stay longer, especially captains and engineers, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's very unique because it gives young people what many of them say now as I get feedback from all over the world is it was the greatest year of their life. To have a year of my own grandson had his life completely turned upside down on the ship. Then he met his Swiss wife. Now he's speaking fluent German and living in Basel. He's (laughs) born in London. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. So the ships pull into port, and you literally put down the gangplank and invite people on board. Am I right? Yeah, but it's it's all lined up, uh, contacting churches, contacting leaders. So there's a lot of planning. So much much is done before the ship ever comes. When we open the exhibit, usually a VIP, the prime minister or the de- deputy prime minister or the head of education, they come and open the book exhibit. That usually gives us massive publicity. In the press, radio, television, we sometimes even had helicopters overhead hmm. when VIPs have been on board. So you can imagine then the people flock to see this amazing ship, to see the book exhibit, and uh, it leads to to all kinds of things. It's like a mini spiritual invasion. <laughs> um, it's, it's not just pulling into a port and lowering the yeah. gangway, I can assure okay. you. Okay, fantastic. The hunger for books in English and other languages is... And these countries is huge, and people are are still reading. Though we also have a major ministry through digital communication as well. It's not either or. Wow, amazing! Praise God. Uh, let you in on a little secret. I had a friend. Um, we were good friends back in the eighties who uh, joined OM and and ended up on one of your ships, but the ship went down was sunk. What was that story, George? Yeah, that's the first ship we had it for seventeen years. We should have scrapped it. It was no way of fulfilling the ministry. We thought of even extending the deck, but we didn't have the courage. And so God in his mercy down there in the Beagle Channel, uh, when the pilot left our ship early, which he shouldn't have done, Mm -hmm. uh, we end up on a rock. The ship is still there. There was no loss of life. It was one of the toughest days in the history of our work. Uh, But it goes back to what you and I talked about a few moments ago, that our prayers are not always answered the way we think. Mm. Mm-hmm. especially these prayers for protection when, you know, God allows so many, so many to suffer. One province in China has just read the book about it, 1,000 Martyrs. Wow, yes. It's not quite the kind of Christianity the average evangelical has in the West. Yes. You know, when we think it's a crisis, if we have an ingrown toenail. <laughs> so, uh, you yes. know, absolutely, it's, it's a mystery. That's Jeez. why I, I call my new book Messiology. 
Right. And it's based on my George Verwer proverb where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together. Sooner or later, there will be a mess. <laughs> but messiology is God working in the midst of it because that's all he ha- has had for thousands of years. Absolutely right. Spot on. George, it's so wonderful speaking with you. But uh, just as we close, I believe you are um, uh, quoted as calling yourself God's bungler. Where does that come from? Well, my thing in the Soviet Union was a failure, and um, I have found in my own ministry, I've spoken more than 20,000 times and uh, probably over 1,000 radio and television broadcasts, Mm. you know, going all these 60 years, but it's when I share about my failures, struggle with a porno magazine in the woods not far from here, Mm. and the failure with the getting arrested which, and I, I make it clear, it was, it was a stupid mistake on my part mm. that got us arrested, not the other brother who was with me. Mm-hmm. People respond to that. And then I tell them about one of my favorite books, Failure, The Backdoor to Success by Erwin Lutzer. But then I have to admit, I've never read the book, but the cover ministered to me. Mm-hmm. I get huge response when I share about struggles and failures and how God gives grace, sometimes for the victory, sometimes to press on after we fail. So that's been a, a radical grace together with radical discipleship has been a strong part of the OM ministry. And all of my books, about eight books, over a million copies, uh, you know, have that message. Mm. So Amazing. we're still plotting on and wanting to put it in practice in our own lives. And in our senior year, especially with health, you get new challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, amazing. Well, from one bungler to another. (laughs) George, thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. We pray God's richest blessings and many, many prosperous, successful years still to come in the ministry. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And one of my favorite words is reality. My first book was called Hunger for Reality. Come on. Excellent. And I distribute Stanley Volk's book free of charge. It's called Reality. Let me know how many hundred you'd like. (laughs) Fantastic. Anybody listening in, you're welcome to contact us. Thank you so much, George. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Speaking with the late George Fervor today on The Reality, founder of Operation Mobilization. What an amazing seasoned man of God. George being very honest about prayer in his discussion today. Indeed, God does answer our prayers. We need to remember that God always answers prayers. If that weren't the fact, I wouldn't be sitting today talking to you on the radio. Because God listens and hears every human being on this planet. The scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means the Lord Almighty can hear every single human being on this planet even now as we speak. And yes, God is sovereign. And the scriptures do tell us that God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes when we pray for a need in our lives, we expect God to answer it precisely the way we want it to be answered. But you know, God knows best. He knows better for you and he knows better for me. And his knowledge is better than my knowledge, for his ways are better than my ways. Nevertheless, the scripture says, if I acknowledge God in all my ways, then he will direct my path. This is something I call God tracking, tracking the plans and purposes for God. For the scripture does tell us that God knows the plans he has for us. The truth of that is, it's God who knows the plans he has for us. We don't know his plans. We've got to seek them and track them. And this we do through prayer seeking God to answer our prayers according to his plan, according to his purpose, and according to his will. The reality is, prayer does change things.
You've been listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Allison. If you've got any questions on this, I would love to chat with you. Please do send an email to me, Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y, Dudley at surereality.net. I'd love to hear from you. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. With your prayer and financial support, we can produce these radio programs that are impacting lives in more than 100 countries around the world. Please consider partnering with us at surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless. God bless.